Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Hey, you guys doing well? How you doing? You good? Good, man, good. Um, tonight, Tonight we begin a new sermon series. Tonight we begin a brand new sermon series, and as a matter of fact, it is my final sermon series. It is my final sermon series. Yes, if you are new, if you are new here, welcome. My name is Sam. Have a nice life. Um, if you, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I know, that's terrible. I love you. We're a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus, and you're going to love it. Um, but most of you guys know that in about a month, I'll be, uh, I'll be heading back to the East Coast where we grew up, where our families are, and uh, I've accepted a new assignment. And so I will go from pastoring beautiful, awesome teenagers, and then I got to pastor like some cranky old adults. You know what I mean? Yeah, a bunch of Karens and boomers. We're going to call ourselves Karen Christian Community Church, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. I hope. I don't know. But um, So I'm excited for that, but... At the same time, like, we got a little bit of time left on the clock, you know? We got a little bit of time left on the clock. And so my goal over the next three, four Wednesday nights, my goal is one thing, and it's this. It is your readiness. Everybody say ready. 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 Dude, you cannot say enough about readiness. I want you guys to be ready for a new era of your life, a new season. I want you to be ready for a new era of citizens' youth. I want you to be ready for the ministry and the, and, the, and the excitement and all of the things that God has planned for this community. I also want you to be ready as you move into adulthood because transition is normal. Transition is a part of life. And so my goal is over the next few weeks, if I can help prepare you, if I could even teach you how to say goodbye, how to bring closure in a healthy way and how to move on into the next season, that'd be awesome. So I want you guys to be ready. I've been here at this church for almost, I should have looked up these stats, this would have been fun. Been here for almost nine years, um, preached uh, 97 and a half sermons, all totaling a total of 27 hours, 32 minutes and 15 seconds. I'm just making up stats because I should have looked them up, that would have been awesome. But who knows, you don't know. I guess I just told you. Um, I've preached lots of messages. My sermons, you can go and, uh, you know, there's video sermons on the Citizens website. There, you can listen to the podcast, there's audio. So I, in, in many ways, I've already said everything you need to hear. So I'm just gonna call it done. I'm just gonna call it done. I've already preached, there's enough, there's stuff out there. So you go and listen to it if you wanna know, know more, you know. Oh, but wait, uh, there is one more thing. There is one more thing I want you to know. As a matter of fact, there's three one more things. I'm going to tell you these over the next few weeks. This sermon series actually was birthed from one of your very own, Miss Eden Ireland. And we were sitting and talking, and I was like, Eden, how do you think we should end this? Like, what would this look like to end? You know, and she's like, just, like, what are your final words? And I was like, well, I'm not going to call it final words because I'm not dying. Thanks, Eden. All right. But she did get me to think. If I can communicate to the students that I have loved and lived with and taught for the last several years, if I can give you one more thing... Everybody say one more thing. If I can give you one more thing, what would it be? 
If I can tell you one more thing, my final words before I'm never able to rub this luscious beard again, one more thing. You better sit there next week, bro. I need that. What'd I tell you? And then I found it. And I found a passage that I wanna share with you. I found a passage that I'm gonna share with you and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse one. Everybody say one more thing. Do you wanna hear it for real? Are you, seriously? Do you guys want to hear my, just, just one little, it's just a nugget, you see it? That's what that nugget, that's it. You're like, oh, that's what the picture is. I just have one nugget for you. One more thing. One more thing, Ember, one more. And I want you guys to get it and digest it and own it and take it. Are you ready, Sam? All right, here we go. If you're ready, say, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go, here we go. Let's check it out. Let's check it out right here. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul and another. I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? Let's pause right there. I'm sure you hear it, but let me say it. Paul sounds a little bit disappointed in the Corinthians, doesn't he? He's writing to them here and you can tell his tone is a little bit like a, because he wanted to talk to them as spiritual people. He was hoping to have a conversation with them as mature individuals, as mature Christians. But unfortunately, friends, at the time of this writing, they are not mature, they are immature. At the time of this writing, it's as if they are infants in Christ. They're infants, they're babies who can only eat and drink milk, not solid foods. Immaturity. He says it another way. He says, they are of the flesh. Hmm, immature. And then he says this one, and this is the, my favorite line in the whole passage. Look what he says, and he goes, you're being infants. You're of the flesh. You're immature. You are being merely human. You are merely human. The title of my message today is that, merely human. Here's what you have to understand, students. Write this down, tattoo it on your body somewhere and memorize it because this is what I wanted you to know. You are called to be more than human. Students, look at me, listen to me and understand this. You are called to be more than human. Do you know what's more than human? Superhuman. No, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm a mutant. No, 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 no. Here's what's more than human, spiritual, spiritual. When Jesus saves you, 
When he brings you into his family, he wants your values. He wants your lifestyles. He wants your perspectives to be more than, to be higher and greater than merely human. He wants you to live life in a way that is more than those who simply live on the earth because all these humans know, you're like, humans, we're humans. All the people out there not in God's family, all they know are the things of this earth. All they know are the ways of man, but we, we now know the truth of heaven. Do you get it? We, in this room, we see reality with spiritual eyes. And so now we are to live accordingly. So here's the question. If God has saved us, if he has given us a new way of living, if he's given us a new perspective, why are they still living merely human? After all, Paul has spent years with them, teaching them, being their pastor, teaching them the gospel teaching them how to live for Jesus, teaching them how to cultivate Christ-centered community, teaching them all of these things. And so he's writing to them and he goes, what? Are you still being merely human? And so citizens, I ask you, are you living merely human lives? Or are you growing? Are you growing into spiritual people? Are you maturing in your understanding of your faith? Are you more and more day by day starting to see the world and see your relationships and and, and your lifestyle according to the perspective of heaven? You see, in Christ, we are called to be more than human. Are you still a baby Christian? Like if you've been saved this year, then yes, you're a baby Christian. Kelsey, I see you, baby Christian, okay? Got baptized this year. But seniors, you a baby Christian? Juniors, are you a baby Christian? Sophomores, are you a baby Christian? I get it, babies are adorable. I mean, look at this. Look at this guy, right? Grayson, eight months old. He's adorable, Eight months, he's adorable. I think eight months, what is it, seven, six? He was born in March, what is that? He's like several months old, you know? And he's standing up and he's pulling himself up. I mean, just look at that face. I just want to bite him. Ah! How many of you think he's super cute? Oh, thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. Let me change it up. What if I told you that the individual in that photo was five years old? What if, <laughs> what if you're at my house and we're like, we're just kicking it on the couch and, and you're just like watching Disney plus with me and Micah, he's five years old and he walks in, and he goes, Hey dad. And then Grayson walks in or Everett walks in, he's three. And he's like, Hey dad. And then this guy walks in, he's like, Hey, what's up pops? <laughs> and like, like little man, just. He's walking, he's talking, he's high-fiving, he's opening the refrigerator, but he looks like that. All of you guys that were like, ah, you're like, ah. Because babies are meant to grow. And so are you. And so are the Corinthians. 
We are meant to grow, but they're not maturing. They're not growing. And do you know how we know that? Do you know how I can tell that they are still being immature? Let me show you. Look what he says. There is jealousy and strife among you. Their immaturity is revealed by their division. Their immaturity is revealed by their division. You see, there is a hallmark of maturity, the telltale sign of a mature group of people, the blinking light that says they're mature, they're mature, they're mature, is unity. And unity is missing. When you act like this, are you not just being of the flesh? Are you, are you not just doing the human thing? This is what humans do. This is what people who are on this earth do. Why are you doing that? There's jealousy, there's strife, there's resentment, there's conflict. And if you just, shh, shh, if you quiet down, you'll actually hear it. Do you hear it? Shh. Do you hear, do you hear the conflict? I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Do you, can you hear the conflict? I'm following, he's better. No, no, I follow Apollos, he's better. What? See, what has happened was the Corinthians, they've had different leaders come through their lives. And so Paul shows up there in Macedonia. Remember he went to Macedonia? Remember in like the offering thing? Yeah, yeah, same place, right? So he shows up there in Corinth and he's telling about, the, about Jesus. And he's like, guys, the people that you're, the, the, the gods that you're living for, they're not even real gods. They're fake gods. And how do I know? Because the one true God showed up on earth and his name was Jesus and he preached and he did all these miracles to prove he was who he was. And then he died from the, he died. So we all thought it was game over, but no, he rose from the dead. And the Corinthians are like, what? And they believe in Jesus that he came, he died, he rose again. And they became followers of Jesus. And so how do you think they feel about Paul? Wow, Paul changed our lives. But you see, Paul, he's a traveling preacher. So what does Paul do? Goes to the next town. And so then this other guy comes through and his name is Apollos, right? And Apollos is sick on the mic, if you know what I mean. He's just like smooth, like butter. Like Paul was like, everyone, listen to Jesus, right? And it was just like maybe a little bit boring, but like, who cares if it was boring? It was truth, right? And Apollos is up there like, and it's just, and people are mesmerized, and it's just, and it's just different, right? And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. A little bit of conflict, right? So, so Apollos leaves, and instead of, listen to this, instead of a congregation, instead of a bunch of Christians who are standing together and saying, wow, look how many leaders the Lord has blessed us with. No, no, instead, they're now fighting, going against each other, trying to figure out who's better. And before you know it, it's like, ding, ding, ding. They're in the octagon, team Paul versus team Apollos. And so now you walk in to the room and you got one people sitting on this side and other people sitting on this side. They used to be friends, but nah, not anymore because she's on the wrong team. You see, and there are people there, they're like, what? how can you possibly think Apollos is better? Paul was the one who taught us the gospel. He baptized me. And they're like, what? But Apollos is so much better of a leader. Don't you remember? Paul actually saw Jesus. He had the vision. 
Yeah, but Apollos, oh my God, like he's just like, he's, he's just amazing. He's funnier. He's a better preacher. I understand him better. And then the trump card is like, oh yeah? Well, Paul's probably the one who led, or to Apollos to Christ. Oh! Team Paul, team Apollos. Who's better? And here's what happens. And here's what we realize as we look at this fight that's happening in the middle of this congregation. We realize that when we choose a personality, we lose our unity. When we choose a personality, we lose our unity. No wonder Paul is a little bit disappointed. No wonder Paul is a little bit sad as he writes this letter because this, friends, is a a sad state of affairs for the church. Didn't he teach them better than this? What do you think? Didn't they, they knew better, right? They knew better. And citizens, you know better, right? You know better. You know that when we choose a personality, we lose our unity. To engage in such a debate, to choose personalities and then be hostile toward one another, that's literally what the world does. That is merely human. Look around. Go on Twitter, turn on the news. People of earth, they allow themselves to be divided by personality preferences. I vote for him, I vote for him. And then because they only know the way of the flesh, because they only know the way that the world operates, they prefer to choose sides and then they treat the people on the other side with hate, hostility, with jealousy, with strife. And the result is they have lost their unity because they're following personalities. Does that sound familiar? We see that right now in our culture and that's commonplace in the world, but that has no place in God's church. No, no. That has no place in God's church. That is, that is, That is the most inappropriate debate that can be happening in God's family. And Paul's got to let him know. Paul's about to keep it real. He's a little bit sad. He's a little bit disappointed. And so he's going to put things in perspective for them. He's going to help set them straight and teach them what's really going on here. Let's keep reading. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Do you see it? Do you see what he said there? They're choosing sides, but Paul and Apollos... They're just servants on an assignment. Are you grateful for the Lord's servants in your life? Are we grateful for the servants that God has sent our way? Absolutely. Servants play an important role in your life. I mean, look, look at this, right? These servants are those through whom you believed. That's powerful. 
God uses servants, his servants in your life to communicate the truth, to help you come to an understanding of the gospel. I mean, I mean their preaching oftentimes is what first awakens life in us. And we go, wow, thank you so much, Lord, for those servants. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for Apollos. Thank you for Courtney. Thank you for Sam. We are grateful for those servants. But you need to zoom out, young man. You need to zoom out, young lady. Paul and Apollos, do you know why they were doing what they were doing in your life? Do you know why they were even there in the first place? Do you know what their motivation was for even doing that? They were only doing it because they're servants. They are servants who were on an assignment. The Lord has assigned it to them. And you see the Corinthians, they're divided right now and they're playing favorites because they are confusing the difference between servants and the savior. There is a difference between the servants and the savior. And this is the part where I look, in you, look you in the eyes and I speak from my heart. I have loved being a servant in this congregation. It has been one of the most sincere, deepest joys and privileges to get to come to you guys every week. Since you were seventh grade, little Fuentes, every week and just preach you the Bible and to see light bulbs going off. For many of you, it's been amazing. And this has been a phenomenal experience for me to even go because it's proven it to be true that if you just preach the gospel, God awakens dead people to life. So guess what I'm gonna do in Easton? I'm gonna do what we've been doing here for like nine years. I'm just gonna preach the Bible, see what happens. Raise up leaders and see what happens. This has been one of the best, most life-giving, most enjoyable experiences. And guess what? You will always be my students. I'm not going to be a youth pastor on the East Coast. What? I would never go and be a youth pastor somewhere else. Are you kidding me? We literally have the best youth group. Like, why would you go down, right? Like, I'm a monogamous youth pastor, okay? You guys are the only youth group I have ever pastored in. I've loved it. I've loved you. You will always be my students. I will always be your pastor. I'm only a phone call away, okay? But you need to hear me when I say this. I'm just a servant. I love you, right? I, I, I love you and, and we're doing this and a lot of you guys are growing, but like, I'm not your guy. I'm not, I'm not the man. I think sometimes when I'm being honest, I find myself struggling because I'm like, I want to be, I want, I want to be their guy. I want to be the only youth pastor they've ever had. I want to be the only leader in their life. I'm, I'm actually just a servant. And don't get me, I feel your love. I mean, I've already received gifts, right? Um, and lots of Oreo cookies and chocolate milk. I have received your gratitude and your appreciation. And I love it. Guys, that warms my heart, Seriously. Thank you. I'm wearing this dope shirt from New Dreams Fashion slash Factory, right? It's like I'm on the board, so we're kind of figuring out the names. But um, like, thank you. This is a good thank you. I appreciate your appreciation, but I'm just a servant. And here's what you guys need to remember. The credit goes to the Savior, not the servants. Man, Sam changed my life. Oh, 
I wouldn't go that far because <laughs> only the credit goes to the Savior, not the servants. Man, if it wasn't for Sam, I would. Thank you. I, I love you. The credit goes to the Savior, not the servants. But Sam taught me, that, all right, maybe I taught you a couple things, all right, in spite of myself. But like, the credit goes to the Savior, not the servants. And so here we are back again. We get, for like the millionth week in a row, we get a little bit of a field reference. <laughs> Anybody tired of the field metaphors? Yep, no one, right? Clay, I'm watching you, right? Just like my pa always taught me. Let's look what he says here. He goes, I planted... Apollos water, that's a field, that's what you do. That is what you do in a field. So you, so you have some people who are doing this thing, right? They're like making the lines. They're making the lines on the field and then you drop the seeds. You drop the seeds and you cover it up. You got some people doing this thing, just watering the whole field, right? But do you know this? You can plant like a beast. You can water like a boss. And do you know that even if you do everything right, it still may look like that. But I read every planting textbook in the history of mankind. I used all water, H2O, whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't matter because as, it doesn't matter how good you are at planting. It doesn't matter how good you are at watering. At the end of the day, all you can do is stare at it and hope it worked. You're like, but I'm more than human. I'm superhuman. I mean, no, like what? I dare you to plant some seeds in the, gra- in the ground and make it grow. <laughs> do you get how foolish that is? You can do it right. You can be faithful. It doesn't mean that it's actually gonna grow because only God can make it grow. And so what do the planters and the waterers do? They plant and they water faithfully. They carry out their assignment. They do their best and then they leave it the rest to God. And then God makes it grow. Sometimes God really blesses a community. <clears throat> you guys. And sometimes there's a servant who just happens to be in the right place at the right time and God makes it the most luscious, productive, bountiful field that you've ever seen. And it is so easy for servants to try to take credit for this. And it's so easy for the field to try to give credit to the servant, but the credit goes to the savior, not the servants. Why? Because only God gives the growth. Man, because of Paul, man, I'm a crit. Man, Sam, he changed my life. Man, if it wasn't for Courtney, I wouldn't. Paul, Apollos, Sam Cassis, they don't actually deserve any of the credit for your salvation and your growth. Let me say that again. We do not deserve any of the credit for your salvation or your growth. We are just servants. So appreciate them. Thank them. Honor them. Submit to them. But remember, they're just servants. And the credit goes to the Savior, not the servants. Guys. Do you know that I'm going to see every Christian in this room? I'm going to see you again. Do you know that? Like, are you visiting? I'm not talking about that. Like, will we come to D.C.? Maybe. If you go to Washington, D.C. and you don't call me, you're dead to me. Okay. I was like 20 minutes from your house and I decided not to call you because I don't like you. Noted. But seriously, I'm going to see you guys all again one day. You know that? 
Do you know when I'll see you? In heaven. You, you guys know where this is all going, right? Like literally one day, one day you who were an orphan, right? Homeless, spiritual dirt all over your face like we sang about. One day you are going to be standing before the groom. You guys know that the marriage metaphor is my favorite metaphor for heaven, right? Jesus, he purchased you like a bride. He won you over. He paid his blood so that you would be his bride. And he goes, awesome. I'm going to go away to prepare a place for you. You get ready for the wedding day. What is that called? Life. Literally, you're spending your whole life getting ready for the day that you're going to stand before the groom. And so one day the groom will come back. And we who have by our faith endured through the trials and tribulation, and we are holy and blameless and above reproach. One day you, church, you congregation, will stand holy, blameless, above reproach, spotless and blameless, gloriously radiating, and you will be presented to the groom. And do you think for a moment that Paul, Apollos, and Sam Cassis are gonna be sitting here on the sidelines going, I did that. Oh, hey, hey, y'all, I did that. You should have seen them before. They were hideous. But man, you should have, by the time I get, hey, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I got your bride ready for you. That was on me. And everybody there is like, oh my gosh, I don't know him. Do you think that in the presence of God, that we're going to be standing up there going, I did, that was me. You should have seen those knuckleheads when they were in middle school. Oh man, but I pray. That's not what servants are going to be doing. You know what we, what we servants are going to be doing? Us ministers, we are going to be on our faces, weeping with joy, totally exultant and, and just exhilarating. And, and what was your word, Court? Malophius. We're going to be just rejoicing in the melophiousness because the Savior has done it. The Savior has taken spiritual dead people, raised them to life, got them through this journey that's called life better and more sanctified and worthy of the perfect groom. And on that day, there will be no mistaking where the credit goes. We will say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. The credit goes to the Savior. Jesus is your guy, not me. Jesus is the one who grabbed you out of your sin. He grabbed you out of your addictions. He grabbed you out of your depression. He grabbed you out of your spiritual darkness and he breathed life into your lungs. He put his spirit inside of you and that spirit is actively working in you to fight against sin. To, to make wise decisions, to glorify God in everything that you're doing. He is making you new. And one day when you stand there perfectly new, guys, we will all give credit to where credit is due. Glory to the Savior. Your boy's just a servant. <laughs> and it's time for me to decrease that he may increase in your life. So how do the servants feel about each other? That's how we talk out here in front of the flock, right? That's how we talk in front of the field. But what do you think the servants are like in the locker room? You think there's some like competitiveness from the servants? 
Maybe there's some strife and, and jealousy among the servants. Me and Courtney are like, no guys, we're just servants, but I'm the better servant. No, do you, do you think that's what we're doing behind the scenes? Let's see, let's see it right here. This is how Paul talks about his other servants. He who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You see the servants, right? Do you notice how they all have different roles? Do you see that? Some of them plant. Some of them water. Here's the cool thing about God's servants. They will always be better at certain things than others. Let me say that again. God's servants will always be better at certain things than others. And so Paul, woo, yo, your boy Paul, he is good at getting that seed in the ground, right? Like he's got like, like he probably like keeps them in his mouth. He's so efficient. He's like, it's like just like a, like a machine. It's just a machine. You know what I mean? He plants seeds in the ground like a boss. Like in his sleep, he rolls over and he's like, see, see, see. He's just going for it. Nobody is better at planting seeds in the ground than Paul. But Apollos, yo, your boy was in the Olympics. Do you know what his event was in the Olympics? Ground watering. You didn't know that one? It, yeah, it went out in like 47 AD. Got replaced by ping pong. And naked wrestling. They used to wrestle naked. Like those, those Greeks were, they were malophious. But you see, so, so, so Apollos, he's a master waterer. He just like, he has like the perfect like arc. You know, it's like, and then he got like the wrist snap. And he just, like the perfect, the, the, like, what is that? It's like saturation level, moisturization of the saturation of the soilage. You know what I mean? That's like, ah. Oh. And so if we were to compare, well, how come you don't plant seeds like Paul does? Right? Well, how come you don't water like Apollo's? What? Like, in God's heavenly strategy, as he's given gifts to his servants, some are better at starting the work. Some are better at watering the work. Some are better at maturing the work. And so do you not think that God, the best chess player in all of the universe, God, the heavenly strategist, do you not think that he will strategically use his servants that he's gifted in different ways for different things? Dude, Drew Sassenti is a name that maybe not many of you remember, but the seniors in here would remember, and our graduates, Drew Sassenti started this youth group, and it was called Rev, okay? And the middle school was called Rev JV. Drew planted. Drew got this thing started. Drew is, dude, let me tell you how good Drew was. Drew was so much better at me than this. We would go to a skate park, and he goes, let's go hang out at the skate park and tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, what do we do? We do like print stuff out? Do we like get a microphone? He's like, no, just go and talk to him about Jesus. I'm like, but what does that look like? And he's like, just come with me. I'm like, okay. So he literally fills up this huge cooler of Gatorades and, and rock stars. Um, and he just goes to the park and he goes, hey, anybody want a drink? And they all kind of stare at him. And then they all walk up to him. And he starts giving them drinks. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he just starts connecting with them. And before you know it, they're all cracking up and he's laughing. I'm just like, 
<laughs> Am I doing it right? <laughs> See, Drew had the spiritual gift of evangelism, okay? Drew was an evangelist. He brought people in. Like, I remember we came in one Wednesday night and there was like 10 kids in the back row. Hard dudes, right? The entire union rugby team was in the back row. By the end of that year, they all got baptized. Drew's way better than that at me. You know what? I came in, I started partnering with Drew, eventually doing the youth ministry with Courtney. And it's like, I'm better than Drew at certain things. Well, I follow Drew. Well, I follow Satan. Like we literally had kids in the youth group at that time going, but we want the old. What is Paul? What is Drew? What is Satan? We're just servants. Guys, if you have not, if you don't know this to be true, like, have you been sleeping? Like me and Courtney, my favorite teammate in the history of mankind, we are so, why are you laughing? This is, this is my profile picture. Judge much? Like we are, so, <laughs> it's like Courtney, your face is like, bam, right there, right? I actually wanted to wear the unicorn. And she was like, nope. Me and Courtney are so different. We are good at so many different things, right? Because God's servants are gifted differently. And so God uses them for different things in different seasons, in different parts of the mission. But even though they are playing different roles, even though we are playing with different gifts, even though we are used in different ways, look what he says, we are one. We're one. The new guy that's coming in that we just prayed for, He's my boy. He's my boy. We're literally, we are one. He who plants, he who waters, they are one. And here's what you guys need to remember. Final point for the night. The servants are on the same team. Get rid of your Paul jersey. Get rid of your Apollos jersey. Put on the Jesus jersey because we are all fellow workers. See what he says? We are God's fellow workers. We are fellows. We're not competitors. We are all working hard in his service, working to see God's vision for his sheep fulfilled. And we are each going to be able to contribute toward that fulfillment of the vision in different ways. And so there's gonna be a couple of months from now where you're gonna be sitting right where you're sitting and the new guy, he's gonna say something funny. And you're gonna go, <laughs> not funny. No, it was freaking funny. Laugh, same team. He's better at certain things than me. Courtney's better than him at certain things. We are all on the same team and God knows that it's time for citizens to go to the next level. And so he's bringing in a leader with different gifts. And it's gonna be crazy because I know that three years from now, this youth group is gonna be doubled. Do you know that? Look, no, I gotta check out, man, because it's gonna be... Like I'm literally, I think last week was 180 kids. I'm telling you, I know for three years from now, I will come back and there'll be over 300 kids in this room and leaders. That's vision. Why, how do I know that? Because God said that he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. Why would God be blessing this field so much just to hand it off to, what? No, God, it's you are God's. That's the point. The savior is up to something. You are God's field. You are God's building. And leaders will come into your life and leave your life in different seasons. 
And there are some leaders who maybe they'll come in and they'll stay forever, right? That's very rare. They're called parents, but they come into your life. <laughs> they come into your life and they stay forever. But most of the time you have leaders who come in. They come in for a season and they are God's hands and feet and mouth to you and they touch you and you're changed. Not like physically in the sermon touch you, but like touch your life. And then they back away. And guess what? In the time that you were there, I'm gonna do a little metaphor with me, right? I want you to stand up when I touch you, right? So you come in, they saw you here, they touch you, boom, they leave and you're different than when they first came into your life. And then another leader, and then another leader comes in and God uses them, boom, touches you. And it's like, stand up even taller, right? And now you're different. Good job. I won't make you stand on the chair, right? God uses leaders in our lives like that. But here's the constant. You are always God's. God is the master of the field. He actually purchased that field with his blood. And so he has a vision for the field. The wheat will grow. You're his building. God purchased that construction site. He has paid a huge price to procure you. He owns the construction zone of your soul. And at the end of the day, even as his servants, as his leaders come and go for different seasons, it is him who will ensure that the building will continue until it's complete. And so students, I want you to take great comfort in this. You are God's. You are God's. And so as the band comes up tonight, I'm gonna do something here, mostly for me, but a little bit for you. I'm gonna picture myself as I'm, I'm grabbing you right now, okay? Grabbing you as a group. I have the little sheepies, all of my little orphans, the Lord's orphans. They're in my hands right now. And this is what I'm doing with you. You ready? You see yourself in there, Mike? You're in there, buddy, okay? You're in there. And so here's what I'm taking. I'm taking you, little Becky. I got you right here, sister. I'm taking you and I'm entrusting you to him. You are God's. I remind you and I'm reminding myself, you are his field, citizens. You are his building. He will grow you. He will continue to build you up. And when we all stand before Jesus on that day, spotless and without blemish, complete, like the perfect bride worthy of the perfect groom. Who will get the credit for your growth? Who will be thanked for all of eternity? Whose grace and faithfulness will be sung about? Who will have brought us to that day, sustaining us through all of the trials? It's God, the one who brought the growth and brought you safely home to eternity. We will all praise him because you are God's and I love you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that we, me as your servant, I get to, to, to have a front row seat to your redemptive work, Lord, as you are reaching down and saving students and transforming their lives as they learn to live for you. And me, Lord, it has been a privilege and an honor to be your servant, to be your assistant, to attend to you in the facilitation of that operation. Thank you, God, for the privilege. Thank you that I get to spend my whole life doing that with your people, to prepare your bride for you. And Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. You are a faithful girl. You do not leave your children as orphans. I pray that their identity, that their comfort would come
Lord, I pray that their depression would evaporate. I pray that their anxieties would be stilled. I pray that their worries would be overridden by the overwhelming comfort of knowing that they are yours, that you have them, Jesus, in the palm of your hands, and you do not lose one of them. You will not let them go because they're yours, given to you by the Father. So Lord, would you keep your sheep? Bring more under shepherds. Raise up leaders from this flock who can lead. Father, for those who are here, they're not in your family. For those who don't know you like that, they have yet to relate to you as Father. Save them too, Lord. Save them, Father. May they know the joy of living for Jesus. Father, I pray for unity in this congregation. Father, I pray that as the new guy comes alongside of Courtney, that he will be blown away by the receptivity to his ministry, that when the students say, we already love you and we've been praying for you, that he would go, this is a mature group of people because they're united. But don't you miss Sam? They go, of course we do, we love him, but we are gods and you guys are just servants. This message into their souls because I know that it will sustain them for the rest of their lives, not just in this season of transition, but in the future as people come and go. So stabilize them, Lord. Have your way. Complete the work, Lord. I entrust them to you, the great shepherd. 